Hello everyone, this is episode 52. A big five and a two. It's hard to believe we got here, but we actually got here. It's amazing. So as always, this is uh, FI Ghost PC. I'm your host, Rebel Zen, aka Danny. Or Danny, aka Rebel Zen. Whatever you, whatever you prefer. And we are now in a vacuum. That's where we are. We're live in a vacuum. There's no air here. We've got some kind of funky kit that gives you good audio and allows us to breathe. And of course, I am joined as always by our producer, Winifred Marks. Hello. Hello. Who will fact check me throughout this episode and tell you all that we're not actually in a vacuum or a vacuum cleaner. We're just sitting here. But we have a very special person with us on our far right. He's, 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 he's not been here for a while. Got to be honest. It's been a long time since we've seen him. Well, we've seen him bits and bobs here and there. But we finally got him back. We finally caught him. He's been running around town like he owns a place. <laughs> he is the much-loved, revered. A lot of people ask where he's, he's been. We can tell you he's been doing a lot of stuff. You'll find all about it as we are joined by the Urban Oracle, a.k.a. Shaq. Say hello. <sighs> hello. <Yay. laughs> you were literally holding your breath that whole time. I really didn't want to interrupt. I know, I know, I know, I know. You were listening to me. He's a bit nervous, folks. He, he's, you know, we've... We've drugged him back from, uh, dragged him, not drugged him. We haven't drugged him. We've dragged Wait, him. Wait, how did I end up here? <laughs> I know, yeah. We reefed him. Um, basically, no, we dragged him back onto the podcast. It's been a while. It's, uh, you're going to have to shake, shake off the nerve, Shaq. It's, mm. uh, you're back mm -hmm. in our world from reality. But it's good to have you back, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much yes, for having welcome me. Welcome back. That's cool, dude. Uh, a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people have been curious and we've, uh, We've got a lot of hits coming in from America for the episodes we did mm. now in 2017. Mm. Sounds 17. like crazy, isn't it? Bloody hell, 17. It still literally feels like yesterday I was running around with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we drugged you then, apparently, <laughs> too. So, anyway, we are all back, which is cool. Uh, Pete, we, well, we have a little, we'll do the wrap-up, actually. We were going to do one with Pete on Thursday, but I had been up for 48 hours. Long as story short. As, as you do, as, as I do. 48 hours. Um, lots of things, really. Like, my sleep was interrupted by local bonfires in the countryside. Uh, if you're in the UK, you'll know what that is like. A lot of people have that if they're out in the countryside. People randomly burn all their trash or whatever. And it seems to blow entirely into my room. So I couldn't sleep very well. Mm. We are in the uh, fields and sheep. We don't really have... When I say room, it's more of a tent. And we are in a tent right now. It's a vacuum tent. Very new. New, new things. Um, but basically, we were going to do uh, some of Pete's, so it's not Pete's fault for once. It's actually my fault, so he'll be back soon anyway. He's, he's uh, just got to uh, do another day of work, or six, and then we'll have him back. But uh, it is so good to have Shaq back. This mm -hmm. is something that we never saw come in um, since the start of this side of, of the podcast, because we're in Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, it should have been you with us. We've said that since day one, not win. Uh, but it should have been you. Um, I can't ever replace uh, well, to, to be fair, if it was the three of us mm -hmm. and Wynn wasn't there, I think we'd have been deported. Mm. But hey-ho. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it's, it's cool to have you back. We're going to learn what you've been doing. Mm. But I just want to, what we do these days, kind of wrap up the week. Obviously, we're off project. So right now, everything is kind of normal life and stuff like this. But there's a few things I wanted to get everyone's opinion this week. We've got the biggest thing, which I think is the coronavirus, which is coming out of um, China, yeah. Wuhan. Mm. This is something I wanted to bring up because I 
Now, I could go the dark route and say, like, oh, my God, scary, isn't it? It's like we're living outbreak and it's all going to be a problem and everyone's going to get this virus. But I wanted to take a different route because that's the BBC News. Yeah. And they do that. That's the media of, in general, A lot of fear-mongering going mm. on. Uh, I think it's been made a bigger thing than it actually is in the diagnosis of it. It's not a lethal virus. Mm. But whenever you hear a virus, it's obviously cause of concern, especially in Asia because of SARS and all this stuff. Yeah. I want to just bring it down to reality. And my approach, if I was a journalist, is the only two things they name in this day and age, like brutally dark names, are storms and viruses. Yeah, I've noticed that. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Mm. And chrono is pretty, it's pretty out there. Yeah. I thought it was coronavirus. Is it corona? It could be corona. And if so, it's obviously related to Mexican beer. You got (laughs) to stop all of that. You got to stop that Mexican beer virus. There you go. But I think like the epidemic thing, like when I was in Japan, you've heard if you listen to podcasts around the world right now, you heard that I had a bit of a thing out there that they were calling Japanese flu. To me, I feel it's something very similar to that. A lot of liquid or mucus on the lungs, that kind of thing. So I feel like it's it's being made a mountain out of a molehill, I feel. And I think it's a good way to deviate from the issues, especially in Hong Kong at this current time. Well, it's we a good got way. issues here as well that they seem to be avoiding. Yeah, mm. by, yeah, yeah. By be, by saying that, yeah. the other news story, and it's this juxtaposed that's been happening a lot in this country. Bear in mind, we talked about this a little last time. There is a pre almost. We're talking tensions are super high in Iran right now. Right. There's there's at any point that could be escalated to like a World War Three construct. It's possible. It doesn't mean it'll happen, but it's definitely tense out there. We're talking about this coronavirus or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Nigel virus, as I call it. And we've also got this situation. Trump impeachment is hanging overhead. But the biggest news in the UK, apart from the stabbings that are happening in unison around the UK, biggest news in the UK is that Prince Harry and Meghan Merkel uh, are leaving the royal duty to the royal family. That's the biggest news we've had all week in the UK on repeat. Any thoughts, Shaq? Um, I think I think it's good that they are thinking for themselves in terms of just breaking away because most people, probably me included, if I was in that position, I would just stay with the royal family because they will make sure that I'm okay no matter what. Well, yeah. I mean, they're giving up. <laughs> almost everything yeah luxury paycheck every week exactly. kind of a deal for doing nothing yeah uh well they do stuff but you know open things and make appearances and say hello to strangers yeah um to do their own thing mm-hmm. in canada yeah in canada everyone mm-hmm. or oh, north america they're saying so they could yeah. get to the usa definitely i mean i think the um biggest takeaway that anybody can take from this sort of situation is the fact that these people were brought up in a sort of lifestyle and realized that that lifestyle just wasn't for them and had the um had the enthusiasm if that's the right word to break away from it because a lot of people will be in a toxic either relationship or family or anything like that and they'll try to make it work and keep hurting themselves instead of just breaking away and just well, it's, it's, it's interesting i think it's also the case when Meghan merkel's gone through that kind of normal life into the uh celebrity status in los angeles with hit shows like suits mm-hmm. to then uh have the celebrity yeah 
and we all know you. We're kind of familiar with you on Netflix or whatever. We've seen your face before. Yeah. And then there's royal celebrity. And it shows you the difference in escalation. Yeah, because definitely. once you're in a royal family, the safeguards come up. Exactly. You're almost a political leader, essentially. Yeah. You, you've got to watch what you say, watch what you do. The freedom of movement is little. You can step on feet just by doing something like eating popcorn in yeah. public. That's mm -hmm. a problem, right? Yeah. Harry's always been adverse to the royal family. Knowing the fact that the line doesn't pass to him easily yeah. gives him a bit more flexibility. But he's always been a guy that seems to be a renegade anyway, mm. like a real guy. Mm. Mm. Taking that call from his mother, I suppose. Mm. He was always someone of the people rather than of the royals. You mm. know, she was doing things outside, at private, in the independent. Yeah. She lost the royal title too. Mm -hmm. And I think essentially this is like a, a sort of status divorce. But for the fact that it's taken so much press time mm -hmm. when there are so many legitimately newsworthy yeah. things happening, yeah. it's kind of weird, isn't it? It sort of shows that the news likes to throw you into a puddle of stuff. And oh, by the way, Harry and Meghan are moving to Canada. You know, mm. it's, it's a strange thing. Well, there's that thing on the news where they look at all the headlines for the next day. Like, yeah. it's like late night news. Reading the papers. Yeah, reading yeah. the papers. And pretty much all of the papers had the headline that was about this news of uh, Harry and Meghan. Mm. But what really kind of annoyed me was the, uh, the correspondent who said, oh, yeah, without their title, they're nothing. And I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Meghan Markle's no. like. Well, yeah, there's. There, well, you see, this is the thing. There's a lot of people here that will confuse it. Like, they don't. They, they recognize she's a celebrity. They do not recognize her audience in North America. I can say this is very similar to something that we found out. When we did the movie out in LA, mm. people on the ground start to know who you are. It is a domestic territory. Yeah. So when you've done something in America, the Americans are going to know about it before anyone else knows about it. Yeah. When you carry the weight of that, for example, in the USA, Amazon and Netflix are the equivalent of HBO, Warner Brothers TV, so the WB network, Fox or whatever. It's the same. It's streamlined. So people who watch Netflix, watch Amazon, treat it like ABC, like it's a main broadcaster. Whereas you come to the UK and it's still a gimmick. Some people have Netflix. It's kind of like Freeview yeah. vibe. Mm -hmm. It's secondary to our TV networks, whereas Amazon's even less of a thing. It's mm -hmm. there, but it's even less of a thing. Yeah. That's the important thing to recognize because if you're actually on Amazon in the USA whilst in America, that's a huge deal. Exactly, 100%. Right. That's actually true because while we were in Japan, you know, talking with our friends over there, uh, oh, it's even more. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they have Amazon in Japan, yeah. but it's such a minor thing because no one really uses it. Well, them. her right. exact terminology, Sawa, big shout out, say hello to Sawa, how you doing? Uh, you're probably listening, you're probably <laughs> laughing. I hope you are laughing. But one thing I will say, the, the exact quote she said is, people in Japan see Amazon as unhonorable, like they're pirating. Yeah. Right. Because they don't understand in Japan, there's still the CD market, the DVD market, the oh, video okay. market, the okay. cassette market. Everything's, like their physical things. Everything yeah. is literally like it was back here in the day. Yeah. And legitimately, the TV networks mm. are respected. Right. So if you suddenly see a deviating streaming service, they only associate that with piracy. Right. So it's okay. taken a lot of promotion mm -hmm. To even get Netflix established there and Amazon yeah. to be established there, mental note, Amazon is not in Hong Kong. So China, you know, so it's kind of like, it's interesting because Hong Kong is so pirate heavy, mm -hmm. like Thailand will be, mm. <laughs> Vietnam will be, you know, Indonesia, etc. Because it, they just can't afford yeah. a subscription. It doesn't work the same. It's more mm. raw, you know. 
So is that how Japanese, uh, the Japanese feel about Netflix as well? The either, Japanese, or are they more yeah, the Japanese view both of them mm. like an illegitimate. So the mentality, and I'll, I'll explain so don't confuse you. Hong Kong being a separate entity, in Hong Kong, no one cares about entertainment. It's really just a pick and mix. There's no value to it. Oh, okay. They don't value it. So mm. you can get any career drama mm. you want on the internet and piracy, and it's yeah. not secured. That no one's looking over it. No one sues Lots you for doing sites. it. Yeah. Lots yeah. of free boxes where you can hack loads of yeah. things, you know, and IP switches. Lots so you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're really selling it, aren't we? <laughs> so if you're listening in Hong Kong, you're a bunch of scumbags. You're not really. We love you very much. It's just a different logic. It's an unregulated system. Yeah. yeah. That's what happens. But when it's also free. mentally, I'm going to say this, there is subscription like Now TV, yeah. which existed in Hong Kong before even here. Now TV is literally Sky. Yeah. So the packages are so expensive as well. It really sets the hierarchy of the high class and the low class, which is why this piracy thing happens. Right, okay. Whereas in Japan, Japan is like being here in the in the early 90s, definitely the 80s and beyond, Yeah. where you have CD shops, you have vinyl specialists, you have video specialists, yeah. video, not DVD, video still. You have DVD, you have rental places mm. still, like Blockbusters. Mm. It's all still there. Because they've maintained the recipe. They've yeah. maintained it. Mm. And everyone in society will buy stuff because they want it. Okay. So it's like, we're going to collect this DVD series. Yeah. When you suddenly see the streaming, mm. even for me, I live this too. When it starts up in here, you can't sign Napster, right? Mm -hmm. So if you go back to music downloads, it's a really good example. Yeah. When you bought CDs and albums your whole life and you suddenly see it streaming, you honestly think this is really not good. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like we're just, it's like you're downloading and it's like junk food for your computer because you're kind of like, this could be anything. Mm, and if mm. you remember the first downloadable stuff, it used to have like artwork folders and all this weird stuff attached to it. Yeah, exactly. You can never just get yeah. what you wanted. <laughs> yeah, um, It's that. all changed now because mm. iTunes basically streamlined yeah, it, streamlined yeah. it monopolized exactly. it and made it sensible. Yeah. But it's kind of like that evolution never really happened in Japan. Yeah. I mean, it might be uh, the case as well in Japan. They might look at it as I really want to support the artist, but I don't know if me paying this eight pounds or uh, eight hundred yen or anything like that a month uh, is really supporting them. There's a case where I would say bilaterally, normal people mm. wouldn't even think that. Oh, right, okay. I think the normal everyday people in Japan would just think it's basically default. If I want music, I'll go to a CD shop, pick up a single. Mm -hmm. Or the album, which we haven't even had singles in this country for now 10, mm. 15 years. Yeah, something like Still that. A big America, thing over there. Uh, yeah, yeah, mm. America less. There, it's literally what we live growing up, what, you know, in the 80s to the 90s. So the charts will still be determined by singles. There's collectible EPs, which we haven't even had in this country for many moons. So the, the construct is, it's almost what we would call um, nostalgia or uh, what do they call it? Retro. Mm -hmm. That's always been the way in Japan. Right. So it hasn't right. changed. Mm. So I think the everyday person, rather than processing a way of supporting the artist, mm -hmm. I think they're more processing it in a way of this is what you do. Yeah. And then you create super fans that want to collect everything. Yeah, now, exactly. Back in the day, yeah. my sister was that. Mm -hmm. Should follow bands, go to signings, do everything that you do in Japan that we think is idol culture. Mm. 
that was the same when say and i'm quoting my sister please don't judge me because i was never this person but if she was like fine boys zone when i first came out mm -hmm. she'd go on tour with them she'd right. basically go to manchester or something like this to see their signings hmv okay. that's exactly the idol culture but yeah. we lost that because mm -hmm. we started shutting down the meet and greets. Yeah. You mm -hmm. couldn't go to HMV anymore. We've said since last week, that started again. Like we just discovered with Pete, the HMV vault in Birmingham, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is literally my childhood. That's mm -hmm. what HMV used to look like, mm -hmm. right? With and this a was lot of just about when HMV was basically bankrupt. Exactly, yeah. basically going under, yeah. and then this showed up, and everybody was like, "What?" Well, yeah. I think I think it's because the predetermination is if it stayed strong in Japan, mm -hmm. all you have to do is feed people back into that as a default yes. mechanism. Yeah, understood. And it is better for every industry. It's better for the industry because it makes the industry have the juice. Mm -hmm. Like if you're picking up a physical copy of the CD, it makes more money for everyone. It yeah. goes back, contributes ultimately to the artist. Not always. Mm -hmm. The labels do take a lot. Yeah. But do. I think it's a case where, especially if you see that culture, the idol culture, we used to have that. Mm. It's never been what it has been in Japan which is a whole thing, yeah. super fandom. But we had close to that. Mm -hmm. We had close to it in a different, in a British sense, we had yeah. a similar thing. America did too. Mm -hmm. And if you imagine like the Beatles mania, that, that's it. Yeah. You know, if you imagine like, you know, metal fans and people swooning at Michael Jackson culture, same. Mm -hmm. It's just like, we've lost that. We don't really have that anymore. It's more eclectic. Japan has maintained it. Yeah. Even more so than Hong Kong. Mm. Uh, case in point, when we were there, we found a Walkman CD player that is now Bluetooth viable. Mm. So you can actually have just the Walkman CD, like you know how we used to have those? Yeah. Uh, just that. Mm -hmm. And it can fit any speaker in your house. That could be your main hi-fi system on, via oh, Bluetooth. Like but you're that. still playing CDs. Yeah. It is not the equivalent in Hong Kong, which is a similar thing, which is only MP3s. Mm right yeah so it's about trying to do new things with the same it's the evolution that should have happened but mm -hmm. it stayed there and i think it's because japan recognizes money can be made in the entertainment industry yeah. a lot of countries have lost that belief mm -hmm. and you can argue essentially that's that is netflix and amazon it's made the uh, money that they're paying out to the talent is so minimal mm -hmm. that it's almost the case where it's not affordable Mm. you know and so they can cancel a show this is what's been a huge trend with netflix they have a hit show yeah they're saying all the marvel stuff mm -hmm. and every one of those hit shows can be killed at any time yeah and they don't seem to care it's not about the fan base then because mm -hmm. we all want to see what happens next exactly. we always did yeah but they can just say nah we're not going to do it. It doesn't make any financial sense to do that. Yeah. And then you've got That's the big... Get really bad. You, well, you've got, the, I think, the extra pressure of Disney happening, yeah. Disney Plus. True, true. So true. it's kind of like on a wings, you got that. Mm. And so that's almost like saying, well, at any minute, Disney yeah. could probably say, well, we want the rights to everything back. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Am I right in understanding that Disney gave the rights for Marvel shows to Netflix and then Netflix ran with them like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and stuff like that? Well, it was a... It was a cross between three production houses. Right. What, what it was is Netflix proposed the construct, mm -hmm. but they worked with a broadcast network, I think it was ABC in okay. America. So you had a TV network mm -hmm. linked because they had to have that backing. Yeah. And then it becomes a business deal. Mm -hmm. We want to take properties from Marvel because we've got a showrunner that wants to do X, Y, and Z. Right. We're going to release it under a bracket, perhaps mm -hmm. like Marvel Dark, mm -hmm. which is, I think, their selling point, where it's for a more mature 
audience, yeah. which is the principal Netflix audience, mm -hmm. tends to be more mature. Yeah, definitely. At that point, it's got a kids section now, which I never used to have. But basically, they wanted to kind of bring it to the sort of demographic, 18 to 30 to 40 year olds. And right, right, I right. think it was a pitch. Mm -hmm. And really, Disney at the time had nothing to lose. So like, yeah, sure, why not? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a whole different thing. But they said, well, we're going to loosely tab into the MCU. Mm -hmm. Not by borrowing characters, but just saying, is nod to it. Yeah. You know? Like so it's the same universe. Mention. Same universe. Luke Cage mentions the Hulk and, you know, it's the same universe. So yeah. it doesn't detach. Yeah. The thing is, I think that the showrunner was making promises to the actors. Mm. One day we'll get Daredevil on a Spider-Man film. Yeah. We'll do that for you. Mm -hmm. And that makes it super exciting. Mm -hmm. And then I think realistically does Disney started pulling out slowly, reducing right. the budget. Yeah. And eventually Netflix just didn't want to pick it up yeah. as a budget because they're all about making profit rather yeah. than, you know, reimbursing or whatever. Exactly. And I think that's what happened. It just didn't make the interest for Netflix wasn't spending more on it. Mm. It was getting away with what Disney had given, I think. Mm. So then eventually it's it's a no-brainer. Disney will just pull out and say, we're going to retain all our properties. Yeah. I don't think Netflix is worried about losing many viewers or losing many fans because they know that they can just make another hit show that everybody well, would like. I think or... it's more a case where they want to control licenses. Mm. So it's kind of like... What I see is almost like, okay, so you have the Marvel Universe, mm -hmm. and at this point, Netflix had that point where Disney's like, if you want to keep going, yeah. fine, but you have to buy this, 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 and this, and this oh, off right. this. Right, okay. And instead of wanting to do that, Netflix is like, no, because we're heading this. <laughs> yeah. So really, you owe us. Yeah. And this is the same argument Sony's just had with Disney over Marvel using Spider-Man stuff. Mm -hmm. And so there had to be a negotiation. I think the Marvel property now to even do it as a separate producer or whatever is so expensive to run. Yeah. Um, so I'd that, say people that barely even cared about maybe Jessica Jones or knew who Luke Cage they, was. They didn't know. That's, that, I think shows. you nailed it with that. They did not know the characters. Yeah, exactly. Like only diehard comic book fans would know. Yeah. We knew Daredevil. Yeah, of course. That's the thing that launched everything else. And yeah, Daredevil's exactly. only been done in failed ventures. Yeah. And they nailed it, really. Yeah, they, they the did. The story Amazing. of Kingpin especially was just ridiculous. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But it's like Iron Fist was always a B slated. Mm. And I think that only came about from the success of Guardians of the Galaxy, mm. which was always a B slated Marvel comic no mm. one knew about. Mm. And so it was kind of like interesting. The thing is about Disney is that the sad thing is you kind of think, well, Disney's going to have this channel. It's going to have a Marvel Universe. They're not going to approach anything in the mature sense. Mm -hmm that they were doing on Netflix, the darkness is going to start edging away. However, good news, folks, they mentioned they're doing Blade. And to bring Blade into Disney's Marvel MCU, and it's part of the actual canon, means that they're not scared to do restricted films. You can't Hopefully. do Blade as a PG-13 yeah, movie. Yeah, it can't happen. It, yeah, won't, it won't make sense. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool. Like, we're seeing something that maybe they'll re-release Daredevil. I think, in principle, they would want to Disney keep the cast too active. Yeah. But I think Jessica Jones doesn't have enough follow through. No. Uh, to I continue. I personally loved it, but I know it there's a lot of people that just. Well, it starts spiraling. The thing about Netflix as well, and this is just me saying this to be controversial, they're getting too legitimately moralistic, as in left wing with their programming. Mm. There's, in my humble opinion, mm. entertainment shouldn't have a moral message like that. Mm. 
it, it can deal with morality like any story can, but yeah. you don't read Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs as it's written mm. and then turn it into a racial thing or mm. turn it into mm. a, a gender thing or turn it into a sexual thing. It's literally what it is. Yeah. And if you try and change something too much from the source material, you're ultimately using a license to tell your politics. Yeah. I think it started off as clever when one or two people did it and then everyone's just doing it. Yeah, it's a exactly. bit too much. Well, Netflix, HBO, HBO did this right. If you go back in time a bit, this might be a bit hard for Shaq, but if you go back to like Six Feet Under era, Six Feet Under, which was written by Alan Ball, who was the guy who wrote American Beauty back in the day, which won an Oscar, okay? That was a TV network, HBO, which was private funded, which meant that in America it's its own network. Mm. It was like Netflix, yeah. basically, but on broadcasted television. You had to pay a subscription to get HBO. When Six Feet Under came out, it was so revolutionary. One of the principal cast members is gay. Never happened before. Mm. And they did it in such an honest way with darkness and the things people are dealing with every day, especially in Los Angeles, in that you know, hatred and, and prejudice and stuff like this, they made it a metaphor for multiple things. Mm. The Latino community had their character. Mm. But basically they had uh, the black, central black gay character, actor, yeah. who ends up the boyfriend. A lot of controversial conversation, a lot of points about religion and mm. different religions and different points of view in religion, but never at one point was it swung by a political message. Mm. Everything on Netflix is a political message. If you suddenly weave into Jessica Jones a lesbian relationship that wasn't there from day one, uh, neutrality, racism, it doesn't, it's not true to the comics and it's not true to the context that they started the show on. It's just you're throwing this at us mm. like Orange is New Black. I think it works if you're really integrating it into like questioning something as like part of the theme or as you said, like, oh, it echoes in different areas. No, the construct, but... no, 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 the construct is, and I'm, I'm meaning this, if your base project wants to be dealing with the issue on sexuality religion um gender neutrality acceptance racism that's your project you make that project okay six feet under original piece of project the whole project was written for tv to cover those areas mm -hmm. if you take james bond and then make james bond gay for example yeah you've changed the subject of the source material to suit your license you you've changed the message okay you know what I mean? Yeah. We take Robin Hood, mm -hmm. an artistic license. That's a written story, a historical period piece. But you do a modern spin, put a black person as a central role. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Modernize the time, drop it into central London, mm -hmm. make Sherwood Forest an estate. Yeah. That's fine too. You've written that narrative. That's mm -hmm. what you've done. And you've mm -hmm. been clever. Mm -hmm. But if you take Daredevil... Mm -hmm and suddenly turn it into uh, a driving force for the, the gay agenda mm. or something, that doesn't work for me. Mm. That's like you are using something because you know it's being watched mm. to share a liberal message. And unfortunately, that's almost everything on Netflix is doing. Mm. Okay, so I want to bring you a concept then. Um, say, take The Princess and the Fog. Uh, that's a very... That's a story that everybody knows. Yep. Like it's probably even older than you know, maybe Disney itself. Like it's a story that everybody knows. Now they know that essentially a princess kisses a frog and it turns into a prince. That's like the basis, and then other things happen. Um, there were people. 
I'm, I'm not sure whether uh, this went into Disney's uh, decision to make uh, the princess black, but there were a lot of people that wanted a black princess. So do you think it's right for Disney to have told that story, but then said, we're going to make the princess black and we're going to make all of the other characters uh, primarily black? Or no, do you because think... I think you're, you're dealing with what I'm saying. If you, like Disney, for example, didn't write the source material. Yeah. Disney never writes source material. Mm -hmm. So Disney takes from, say, the Grim Tales. Yeah. Folklore, legend, mm -hmm. they did Robin Hood. He was mm -hmm. a fox mm -hmm. in their version of it. Yeah. Okay? So you'd say a Little Mermaid, do whatever you want with that. In principle, the story of the princess and frog can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. The context doesn't have race. Mm -hmm. It's never described. So mm -hmm. the princess is never described as a white chick living in Norway. Yeah. Okay? Scandinavian blonde. Yeah. There's no description. Mm -hmm. It's a kid's folk story. Yeah. But when it's described to you, mm -hmm. for example, Snow White, pale yeah. skin, black hair, yeah. her skin is white as snow, her lebs, you know, it's all yeah. written as prowse, right? Mm -hmm. You've got a context there. Yeah. Okay? Now, you can put that context anywhere you want. She could be a paler uh, ethnic, you know, she could be like Korean but really light skin. She mm -hmm. could be whatever you want. But that's up to your artistic license. Yeah. At no point in A Princess and a Frog, mm. Because the frog, uh, we're talking the same one. When she kisses the frog, turns into a prince, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the one you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. Just to clarify. <laughs> so in the book, it's written that he will be a prince at some point. Yeah. What he's not going to be is a lesbian lover. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if she's black. <laughs> mm -hmm. Doesn't matter if the frog's black. Doesn't mm -hmm. matter if the frog's green. Doesn't matter if the frog's purple. Yeah. It's a prince at the end of the book. Mm -hmm. So you're changing nothing by changing ethnicity in that. Mm-hmm. What you would change is the context of the ending. Mm. So if she's suddenly a woman mm -hmm. who considers herself a man mm. and she's calling a prince, you've changed the context of an entire narrative I to suit your agenda. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's creatively wrong to do mm -hmm. that, but you have done that. Mm. So it's like you've got to be cleverer than that, mm -hmm. I feel. Like if you want to send uh, intergender uh, fiction, yeah. Make sure you make your own intergender fiction, whatever. Mm -hmm. If you want to do um, a black superhero, mm -hmm. we have Black Thunder on Black Netflix. Lightning. Black Lightning, sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, that's, that's created to be that. Blade mm -hmm. was created to be that. Luke yeah. Cage was created to be that. 100%. So it's kind of a case of you have a white Luke Cage, mm. oh my God. <laughs> how, how much uproar would there be? There would be loads. Right, there so Nick Fury is a white character, mm -hmm. but now he's a black character. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? No. This is a good story. Go ahead. There's a series of comics called Ultimate. Mm -hmm. So uh, Marvel Ultimate. Yeah. In the Marvel Ultimate comic, before the MCU even existed cinematic, the artist, for a laugh, was doing Ultimate versions of stuff. Yeah. Spider-Man Ultimate. This guy with Ultimate. To kind of clarify, so it wasn't this multi-genre. Yeah. Thor's 27 different things in one lifetime. Mm-hmm. They tried to unify and make the ultimate Spider-Man, the ultimate Thor, the ultimate Hulk, right? Yeah. In that story, they based Nick Fury on Samuel L. Jackson. Right. Just because Samuel L. Jackson was being in Pulp Fiction at that point. Yeah. It was the culture of it, mm -hmm. and it stuck. And that's why Samuel L. Jackson was brought in, because yeah. he became Nick Fury. Now, that is totally okay. Mm -hmm. I'm cool with that. Yeah. You take a license, it works more successfully, for example... Idris Elba becoming James Bond for a whole new generation of cinematic movies. Yeah. Rewritten as new Bond stories that incorporates Idris Elba yeah. as the principal makeup for the Bond character. You release that as Bond Ultimate, mm -hmm. suddenly you get away with it. Yeah. 
but if you literally take something of canon build it up to be as close to the comic as you can yeah and then use that for agenda mm-hmm. that's where i start switching off yeah and i just try to um conclude what you said so. yeah this is totally yeah. gone somewhere yeah, i never yeah. thought it would but it's great this <laughs> yeah, is cool. so, so basically what you're saying is depending on the context and culture of canon yeah. of what the original was there is only so much that you can change that would offend the original. But if you were to say, you know, change a character to black or female, but change the context that they're in to fit it better, then that's cool. I'm saying, okay, I'm saying in principle, if I had Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, as it's written, as a, as a folk story currently, so you go back in time, Grimm stories, whatever it is, that base story, not the Disney story, the, the base story, that a Disney story is a cover of. If you take that story, it's written, it's defined, it's mm. 100%. It was created to be that story. But if you gave it to someone who wants to do an interpretation of that story, they change it from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and call it, say, Snow White and the uh, Seven Dudes Down the Road, you can then have free license. You've right. created a new take on that story. You're giving it a different context. Different context, yeah. right which is what they did in the Marvel Ultimate, which is what I'm saying, yeah. okay? But if you start off with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, as it's written, and then suddenly introduce this entire narrative where the Seven Dwarfs are all gay, she's a lesbian, raging one, mm. and then there's an intergender prince somewhere in the middle, after you've established it as the grim tale, you've then deviated along the way. What you've done is, in theory, you've hooked the audience to what they know, what they're mm. safe about. Mm. And then you've alienated your audience by throwing your agenda at it. Right. That's what happened to Marvel on Netflix. Right. And I think that's what's happening now, default on Netflix. The Witcher is a good example. Mm-hmm. The Witcher is a very defined thing in a novel. The characters are explained. Yennefer, for example, black hair, pale features, purple eyes. Mm-hmm. She's now an Indian, British Indian actress. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah, in, the, in their series. Yennefer's okay. Indian now? Yeah, yeah. The, the actress is Indian. Oh, he plays right. her, portrays in the series. Okay. Now, I had this conversation with my cousin, uh-huh. and I said to him, I'd love to say mm-hmm. they did this because they literally just wanted to go, we're doing a show about people, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But this is a historical piece of medieval history, essentially, yeah. that is basically the root of it. It's like doing Game of Thrones. Yeah. And in Game of Thrones, you don't have suddenly all the cast of black, Asian, Indian, just so you're meeting the ethnic mm. click. Ticking the boxes. Ticking the boxes. Yeah. I think that's more racist mm. casting that way <laughs> mm. because you're literally saying we want to profit. Yeah. We want to profit off the Indian people are going to relate to Yennefer. We're going to profit off the, the black community is going to uh, relate to this young black lad who plays mm. an elf in it. Mm. Have you ever heard of a black elf? <laughs> right? You know, like, I'm not saying it's weird. I'm just saying you've never heard of it, right? Yeah. The context is lost, then you're suddenly just being stupid. Mm. To me, it's fine that you view this show as people. That's great, but that's not the agenda. The agenda is to profit. Mm. I want the maximized audience. I want people to relate. I want the Indians to watch it because they've got a very strong, prominent female role. I want the black kids to go, oh, I love this fantasy thing. It's the first time I've ever seen a black elf. I will say, if anyone's listening right now, African, Jamaican, British, American listening right now if you guys go off and you set up your own fantasy world and you set up your own elves orcs and whatever and you made them ethnically whatever you want and you wrote predominantly something better than Game of Thrones which I all 
believe you could. Mm -hmm. Believe anyone could. You can get away with whatever you want. One hundred percent. But it's like role reversal. If we made Martin Luther King's civil rights movie and we put a white guy in a portrait of Martin Luther King and just said it like a reverse psychology thing, this would not be acceptable. No. Mm -hmm. Likewise, if there is a fantasy like Tolkien and you're suddenly ethnically casting just to make tick, you're reversing the logic of what you're actually trying to do and you're trying to cash cow. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. If like a company or network or anything like that ever creates a show or creates their own adaptation of a show and they literally just go through the box and be like, right, we need gay, we need black, we need this, just to make sure they maximise profits and it's it's terrible. it's literally that, Mm -hmm. that people are not in the left-wing agenda Mm -hmm. in this whole world where we're... Our answer to be uh, accepting is to segregate more. Mm. For example, the uh, communities that we now have, the LGBT goings all the way to Z. Sorry, guys, if you're listening, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just saying the best humanity that we can come up with is when we drop labels entirely. There are no labels. There's no culture clubs. There's Mm. no, I'm in this club because you don't accept me. We accept you. That's what I'm saying. Right now, we accept you. Mm. It's just that, you don't feel it's mostly America, but it's now transcending. The American PR machine is now making this a global norm. Yeah. You accept humanity or you don't. Yeah. And in accepting all, you don't need to segregate. And I am certain mm-hmm. that someone that's like uh, African-American, for example, I've got mates, we know them, Sol, Simone, Brittany. But my point is, you can watch James Bond, no one is a white guy, swaggering around being a white guy british mm. dude suave mm. and you know that's the culture of the film you're about to watch mm. it's it takes like the 50s or something or no 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 that, that's irrelevant you know what you go into when you see a bond film and everyone does it's sure. like when you're watching wrestling my mate saw didn't grow up going oh i just like black wrestlers because i'm black he yeah. was like massive stone cold fan huge yeah. you know warrior fan yeah. macho man Andy savage these are all white dudes. Mm. It doesn't matter. No. You're not identifying. This is what people are so stupid about. When mm. I was a kid, we were talking about this earlier, me and Shaq. I love Michael Jordan. Mm. But it didn't make me turn around and go, oh, man, I wish I was black. <laughs> it doesn't. You, you know the separation. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a guy there that's mm. he's literally walking black culture, right? But he's Michael Jordan. That's who I'm seeing. Mm. Don't see black. I see that's the best basketball player on the planet, mm-hmm. right? You know, that's the world we need to get to. We need to get to an unsegregated world. It's not an answer to be accepting by separating, having your own parade for this, that, and the other, and pride for this, that, and the other. You're just people. Mm. Just be people. That's a huge thing, guys. Mm. See, this is what happens when Shaq's back. We become <laughs> ultra-moralistic. So, sorry, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're schooling that was, that people right now. That was a massive tangent. Massive yeah. tangent. Uh, sorry. And, uh, no, 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 no. Don't, there's a, no, it's, it's all relevant, you know. It's yeah. all kind of cool because yeah, yeah. we're talking labels. Mm. The royal label, you know, yeah. they've got rid of it. The so there you go. of that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, okay. now, on that note, mm-hmm. when you are looking to have a civil rights movement of your own and you're politically trying to set forth your agenda without cashing out, you're trying to do it right, socially accepting. There's a place where you can get t-shirts from. Let's promote comedy. Well, mostly comedy. They're, yeah. they're not actually serious in any sense. They're not trying to be. Uh, but they're our serious sponsor, as always. And uh, they provided all our t-shirts in serious too. They're Hobo Bait. It's a Hong Kong-based company. Yeah, Part of the Teaspoon community. 
and you can go pick up your politically correct or incorrect, depends on your persuasion, t-shirts. Comedy crosses all boundaries. Correct. You can go there straight away and you should. You should. You got all that New Year's money that you still haven't spent yet. You should go there right now. It's teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash hobo bait. That is teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash hobo bait. Go there right now and be the talk of your town. Brilliant. So. Awesome. Yeah. I like that we get moralistic. We haven't had these kind of like it's almost impossible with pete because pete's the unicorn slayer he's from a different realm um <laughs> but basically i'm glad that we had this it's an important mm. conversation so we get serious every so often and then we turn into loony stupid stuff <laughs> here's where i say shaq what have you been doing for the last two years oh, oh yeah right there yeah yeah yeah. because <laughs> last time we checked in you you working at a game shop yes in in the ball ring just mm -hmm. gonna sell it to the lads mm -hmm. that are still there mm -hmm. and then you disappeared <laughs> and you i i've got to put this forward you've only gone and disappeared right this is the genesis story. we we're talking about comics earlier mm -hmm. shaq is now living batman's life <laughs> so he left the comic book store it was again it was just getting too human for you you mm -hmm. needed to do something a bit more yeah heroic yeah exactly yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so we're not going to tell everyone what you're doing no but it's in the realm, if I'm right, security? Yeah, so um, I'm essentially an engineer. So I'm basically the guy that just makes sure the internet is working. There you go. <laughs> he is the guy, global guy, that make, he's the only guy in the world that makes sure the internet's working. That's a so lot. So important. That's yeah. a massive job. No wonder we haven't seen you. Yeah, but when people it's tell me that the internet's stuff. down, I'm like, okay, I'll go put it back up again. <laughs> there you go. So that's, that's what he's been doing. We would tell you the ins and outs. But we're not going to do that mm -hmm, because it's mm -hmm. unfair. you got a private life. you got to reserve that private life. But we're going to see more of you, aren't we? Yes, of course. Of course, yes. You're going to so come back. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I'm going to, hopefully, if you'll have me, I'm going to be here as, as often as, as I often, can, yeah. you know. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to disappear again. That disappearance was literally me having a career change and it just took over my entire life, just trying to make sure that everything's fine. And yeah. now that everything's settled back, I can get back to you guys again. Well, that's cool. <laughs> it's, it's all good because we've had, you know, we've been all over the planet and doing yeah. different stuff. Yeah. But no, it's cool because we want to get you back. The reason that I personally want to get you back is obviously we have these amazing morality checks. Yeah. Almost every time we talk, we yeah. go from somewhere simple to a morality check, which is great. Mm -hmm. It's different. But I also wanted to talk to you about gaming mm -hmm. because that's been something I can't really talk to Pete about. Pete's, yeah. again, Unicorn Slayer, limited. Yeah. He's got his games that he likes and he does like them, but there's limitations and it's unfair to him to talk about it all the time. But one thing we did discuss quite a lot in Tokyo that he used to have a go at me for, including on the podcast, okay. was one of your favorite games, Persona 5. Persona 5. Oh, what a brilliant game. There you go. See, I feel validated. <laughs> but basically, I was literally landmarking, uh, saying, oh, I know this from this, this, and this game, right? Yes. And it was quite a massive reality in, in Tokyo. Yeah. To actually understand how much Japanese gaming, obviously we know it's set there, but yeah. how much it actually educates you. Mm, so that when you get there, a lot of the culture shock's gone. No, 100%. Which like, is pretty cool. I remember earlier today, you were telling me about all of the different areas. Like, yeah. um, I don't want to say their names Akiyabara, in case I embarrass myself. Akiyabara but yeah, is one big Places one. like yeah. that. Um, Shinjuku. Shinjuku, um, yeah. Shibuya. Yeah. All of these different places yeah. that, were, that I know from Persona 5, because unfortunately I haven't gotten a chance to get over to Japan well, yet. Well, that's it. And but, it's basically like because you know obviously we have glimmers a lot you big into anime too yeah hugely. which is another thing i've missed because <laughs> i can talk someone speaks the same language gonna have a bit of a nod there to my cousin james who's also a bit of an aficionado of anime mm -hmm. and gaming he's also a massive league of legends 
Oh, is player. he? Yes. Oh, he's into and me I wanted too. To, I wanted to connect you to. He's been playing okay. it since I think possibly maybe the first year it came out. Really? Oh, yeah, so yeah. we've seen the ups and downs then. Oh, we've big got time. Big about. time. <laughs> so it's another thing that eventually I'll probably get you guys in the same room and you can 100%. just nerd out about it. Yeah. Did you know that PlayStation? And I'm going to say sorry for our, our, our listeners. This is going. This is literally going gaming now. Yeah, yeah, uh, But is. we'll keep it funny and light. So mm -hmm. as much as we can, League of Legends is going to have a port for PS4 soon. Yes, I am. Um, it's a special version, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's called League of Legends Wild Rift, and I promise you I'm not being paid by them. That's okay. <laughs> Even though, and you can't see this because you have no visual, he's literally catered out head to toe in League of Legends stuff. And it actually says on his t-shirt, I don't work for him. Uh, so, you know, like it's got to be true. And no one knows if I'm telling the truth or not because you can't see it. Yeah. But yeah, so what do you think is the main difference? Do you think it's just going to be a different technology running the OSX? Yeah, stuff so like? uh, what they've said themselves, they've had like a sort of a conference, sort of like stream that basically tells you all about it. It's going to be a completely different game from League of Legends, but it's going to use all of the same characters, right. uh, all of the same victory can win conditions and that sort of thing. But it's going to make sure that every character that is in that game feels good playing on a controller because all of them right now are mouse and keyboard. Yep. Yep. And uh, it feels natural on mouse and keyboard because they have certain abilities and certain way these abilities work that makes it natural on a mouse and keyboard. But they knew that they couldn't do that on a PlayStation 4 because just mapping all of the abilities to different buttons isn't going to feel good at yeah. all. So they had to make an entirely new game with new visuals and uh, hopefully some new characters, we'll see, that will uh, essentially adapt it to the console space a lot better. And I've seen a lot of what they have to offer and I'm really excited about right. it. Right. Well, that's cool because you to me there is a sense of um logic because mm -hmm. obviously the first time I've like this is only my perspective being the oldest guy in the room, but basically I always compared it when we had that brief playthrough mm -hmm. and I wasn't really focused while we were filming. Yeah. But it feels a lot like Diablo. It mm -hmm. feels like a similar yes. game type to Diablo. Yeah, right? exactly. It's uh, got a name for it. It's like isometric view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like or, yeah. yeah. Well I never used to have that because a lot of people back then thought you're a time lord if you spoke like that. <laughs> but basically, you know, like we're talking when Diablo came out I was like nineties. Mm. So I remember that coming out, um, my uncle, rest his soul, actually brought me a pirated copy of it when he'd mm. come back from Thailand or mm. something. And he was just like, oh, I'm hooked to this. You want to yeah. try this out? Yeah, brilliant girl. Yeah. Well, it never worked because it was a pirate. So my computer, <laughs> it wouldn't work on my computer. It couldn't even read the disc. But years later, PlayStation had a port. Yes. Now they changed the game mm -hmm. so significantly that it played more like... Um, on a PC, and I had played a bit on a PC, it was like a strategy game. Yeah. It's Clan and Conquer, you click, you point, that's your direction, that's exactly, where you're going. Yeah. And League's very similar it to is, that. It is, yeah. Okay? So you point and click and you carry Point and click and you that. get there, right? So it feels more akin to something like Command and Conquer, even though it's not. Yeah. You know you're one character against whatever. Yeah, definitely. But it has that feeling, which is why I understand it naturally feels like a point and click. Yeah, exactly. Right? When it converts, you need full control of the animation. Yes. The, the, this movement's going to change, this leg movement. When you hit a button, you want to see a sword go down. Mm -hmm. It then becomes an adventure game. Mm -hmm. That's what Diablo did. It yeah. was almost like it went from a Command and Conquer-centric sort of, I think the best thing was, say, Hero Quest, when yeah. they had a port on that mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. It's basically got a feeling of you're playing an adventure game, but exactly. you are a single character in a group, right? So an uh, MMO or something like this, yeah. multi-player. Uh, 
but then you get it on the PlayStation port, it felt like Golden Axe or something. Mm-hmm. It's basically mm-hmm. hack and slash. Exactly. I mean, the point and click uh, area um, genre is uh, alive and well on consoles, yeah. but it's in much slower games. Yeah. So it's in games where you're probably investigating or you're uh, a kind of like a detective just yeah, trying to piece well, that's, together. That was a whole things. genre too in PCs. So the ports were like Day of Tentacle, Monkey Island, yeah. anything like that was ported over. That's evolved to be Heavy Rain. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Beyond Two Souls, uh, Detroit. Yeah, Detroit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All of that's the evolution of that. That's the literal point and click. Mm-hmm. So I think that Diablo was always a way of um, singular experience to lead to an online experience with your mates mm-hmm. of sort of like Command and Conquer. Yeah. Instead, you're building, you know, you're not building an army, you're not building this, you're against it. So yeah. it's you against the world. Mm-hmm. League of Legends almost felt like that. So yeah. I can imagine you probably know more than me, but that's possibly the feeling difference between the two. Yeah. When I port it to a console, it's going to feel like Diablo did on that port yeah. jump. Yeah, it is. Because like you said earlier, the point and click aspect of the game is uh, essentially point and your character moves there on its own. Uh, when it's on the console, it, you're going to be moving the character yeah. through like most likely an analog stick. Yeah. Yeah. So the character will only move for as long as you want them to move. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's it. That's it. So uh, it's more... More intuitive that way yeah. because you actually feel like you're playing the character but it's an interesting thing because in this conversation this is a nerd out thing and again <laughs> yeah if you're not a gamer right now you probably want to go off and watch uh, netflix uh maybe daredevil uh, <laughs> and see what we're talking about mm-hmm. but what this is basically me saying is it's really good to have this because basically you have just explained that through tooling yes in development you mm-hmm. can change the genre yeah exactly it's mm-hmm. simply for moving like and i'll tell you something weird mm-hmm. so this is a nod out to another really awesome dude of mine uh it's win's cousin duncan who's my little brother i, I kidnapped him call him that forever it <laughs> I, I kidnapped him he just lives in a different country <laughs> yeah. so, so it's a weird arrangement that we got um, but he's a huge fifa player on a pc only he's oh, a yeah. big pc game he won't touch a console unless right. you force him to and then <laughs> He, he shoots mannequins on Call of Duty, long story. Mm-hmm. But Duncan, if you're listening, he actually plays FIFA mm-hmm. like Diablo. FIFA okay. on the PC has a way that you can point, the players run to mm-hmm. the direction you're playing and, and then you click to score. Wow. Changes the entire genre of the game. And he was showing me this. Yeah. And he's scoring like 700 goals <laughs> every minute. It's the maddest thing I've ever seen in my life, mm. Duncan playing on FIFA. But basically the construct is it changes the genre. Yeah. And a lot of people, especially League of Legends enthusiasts and stuff, they're going to be really, mm-hmm. really elitist about this. Yes, they will. Of yeah. course. That always happens with games, though. The PC uh, area of that game will always say that the way they're playing it is the best way yeah. because it requires a lot more skill. That's what they will always say when in actuality, yeah. the it, skill comes from just playing the right, game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and frankly speaking, when you change the genre, there's a skill in itself of switching. Yeah, exactly. When you have more control over something, it changes it. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I was going to say, so in, in a whole different thing, I think the bad rep came yes. because consoles started porting the stuff like, you know how you got Shogun Total War, something mm. like this. Mm on the PC and it's meant to be mouse and keyboard. If you even try to do anything yeah. else, it's just not going to work out. Yeah. If you have Civilization, mm. which has got a port to PS4, the newest one, that doesn't make sense on a console. Never yeah. did. Mm. Theme Park and Theme Hospital for you back in the day, that never made sense. Sim City never made sense. Yeah. Populous never made sense that if you're really apps. old. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Apps, of course. Though, yeah. It, it does on apps because an app is a point and click system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, you know. But, um, find it really fascinating because this is where all of the arguments have come from mm-hmm. 
Not only that, when you had the Doom generation of first-person shooters, everyone got used to that separation where you have free control of range on a mouse. Mm -hmm. You'll look up, down, side, side, and this was a huge evolution in gaming. Yeah. And that never found its way to a console for ages. So mm -hmm. Doom on a console, you couldn't look up or down. It, mm -hmm. was, it was stuck. Yeah, because your pads, you only had one pad, for example. I remember They're playing Counter Strike on the computer. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, you had, you had, yeah. like I'm saying, there was free movement on a PC. Yeah, and then what they had to do is develop the two double joysticks on a mm -hmm. gamepad, and the right. first game to do that was yeah. GoldenEye, I believe. I think the so. N64, yeah. yeah, yeah, where they freed it up, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that was the evolution. Yeah, after that, it was almost like there's no separation between Call of Duty on a PC and Call of Duty on a PS4. Mm -hmm. Zero separation. You're going to talk to me about frame rates. Mm -hmm. You're going to talk yeah, to me course. about graphic accelerators. Of course. You're going to talk to me about it's still better on a PC because it runs smoother. And I'm going to tell you, yes, but my BIOS doesn't change and mine has never crashed. Whereas yeah. yours crashing every second. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But as consoles come out, the yes. biggest news is that at the end of this year we're gonna have the playstation 5 mm. as consoles come out the likeness to a pc is almost inseparable now mm -hmm. we're getting to that point where the tech behind the top gaming laptops or desktops are very close to the consoles yeah forgive my ignorance but isn't we forgive you <laughs> extra work for game developers to do it for different <clears throat> platforms then because you have the same game mm -hmm. But well, different. Well, you see, this, or... you are, this is an interesting thing because you've just hit something that is the last decade. In the last decade, we've literally had this explosion of developers literally linking, a bit like the studio system mm. in the classic uh, cinematic Hollywood. Sense, yeah. Right? So, Sony will actually, when they develop the PS4, this was a huge evolution. And that was seven years ago now, right? Mm -hmm. The development of the PS4 literally brought all game developer companies to it because the tech was so unique. Mm. Yeah. Now, a PC is now often ported from console games, meaning that the, the game itself is built for the console mm -hmm. and then they will do a PC rendition of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So the tech is it's all built on PCs, yeah. right? Obviously, you won't mm -hmm. build a game on a PlayStation. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, but basically, the port literally goes to the console market, which is the biggest gaming market yeah. still, mm -hmm. and then it ports to the PC. Years ago, it was the reverse. Mm -hmm. You'd have developers working for personal computer outlets, and then they'll port. That's what made Nintendo exclusive, Sega exclusive, and that's why the battle of consoles was two exclusive developers, meaning... Nintendo didn't cross-license. They made their own stuff. Sega made its own stuff. Now it's all a free-for-all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Microsoft's in the mix. So their console stuff is also built for the PC almost directly on an emulator, yeah. an Xbox emulator. Mm -hmm. But it's basically the market is the developers go to the consoles first, which becomes the base of the technology. Then PCs will eclipse that within the year. Mm -hmm. So when the PlayStation 4 came out, it was super ahead of the gaming consoles. But within a month, it was way behind them. That's how fast technology moves in gaming, you mm. see? So the, it's, it's almost like the NVIDIA cars and stuff like this that you have on, say, the Alienware line. Mm. They're hinting that might happen on PS5 should they get the license to the tech. Oh, yeah, that's coming out this year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of this year. So... The idea is it used to be a thing where it was a lot more tight. For example, you'd have developers working exclusively for PC gaming. Uh, you would have developers exclusively working for Microsoft. Mm -hmm. 
there was a lot more exclusivity on, say, the black box Xbox, the original one, mm. because there was a lot more developers at Microsoft that penned into the Microsoft market. Yeah. And then eventually GTA, which launched with the PS2 at the time, would make its way to the Xbox. And the tech on the Xbox was so much superior mm -hmm. that it eclipsed the market for Sony. And so Sony had to work harder. By the PS4, Sony had maintained the big licenses, Square Enix, um, Rockstar Games, and all of the old Nintendo lads, because mm -hmm. they can't develop on the Wii. The Wii technology was too limited. It took them ages to get to the switch right so all of their old faithfuls we talked about persona which was a nintendo release shingami tensei right that used to be a nintendo exclusive that crossed over to sony yeah in fact sony playstation was a nintendo console concept until there was a huge thing with this where it became a Sony, it was going to be a cross-pollinated Sony-Nintendo yeah. collaboration. Yeah, there was only one concept of that made. It's yeah. like, it yeah, does yeah, the yeah. rounds around the internet, but like they're saying that there's like an actual hardware that's yeah, been oh, yeah, made. Yeah, they, they developed it. <laughs> yeah. They developed a prototype. Mm -hmm. But basically, Nintendo pulled out because the guy, I think Sony's rep of the project that Sony had put forward, it was meant to be a collaboration, meaning 50-50. Yeah. Nintendo and Sony. PlayStation 1, this is the first ever one, mm. okay? And at the last minute, they caught wind in Nintendo that this dude was doing something sketchy behind the scenes. So Nintendo dropped out, but Sony maintained all the developers. Oh, wow. So Squaresoft, which was then Square Enix, yeah. Final Fantasy line, all mm. of that went over to Sony, and it literally nearly killed Nintendo. Mm. Nintendo's been smart, though, because it self-develops. Yeah. And when you self-develop, you got your same list of developers. The guy who did Zelda stayed on. The yeah. guy who did Mario stayed on. Mario mm -hmm. Kart stayed on. So their licenses, it's like Disney. Yeah. Their licenses get reprinted and rebranded and redone, but their quirk innovative is all their own tech. Mm. They are linked with IBM now, it's got to be said. But there is a lot of technology in Nintendo that's beyond everyone. Like, they think differently. Yeah. Look at the Switch. Yeah, 100%, 100%. right. And the Wii, you know. Yeah. How can you make hospital appliances look cool? <laughs> it's the way, mm, right? Mm. Yeah, because it's really stark. You know, it's all white. There's no color scheme, but the Switch got that. Mm. The Switch, uh, Switch, <laughs> the Switch, which is the next console. The Switch made gaming cool again. It yeah. was fun, accessible. Still is really good console. Definitely, definitely not in the same. PlayStation and Microsoft is to me. Mm -hmm. This generation's PC gamer, it's hardcore gaming. It's yeah. all adult-minded. A lot of it's tech, a lot of sports on it, eSports stuff. Yeah. Whereas Switch is really fun. Mm. You know, it's just fun. It's plug-in, goof-off. Best mm. console I've brought out since, I think, the N64. That's saying a lot. The Wii was all right, but it had limitations. The yeah. Wii U was all right, yeah. but you didn't really need it. Mm. The Switch is basically the cube. I can forget the GameCube. Yeah. The Switch is basically the best thing they've brought out for a long time. I have to be honest, the first time I heard of the Switch was when you brought it over yeah. to the caravan <laughs> yeah. on episode six. And yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well done, promo. So yeah, our producer's promoting it. She brings it back to that. Basically, what I'm going to say to the guys at home, because we have gone overtime here, but I'm I'm happy to have Shaq back. It's good to have sort of a, um, a thought piece we're mm -hmm. all thinking. Um, mm -hmm. Pete and I never tend to think at all. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad that we're 
bring the team back, so he'll be good to get in the mix at some point. But mm. we will try and talk gaming in the future, especially this year is going to be immense for yeah. it. So I will give our audience a bit of a warning. There will be that conversation coming and going. But basically, I mean, it's just an interest piece. Yeah, This definitely. is our thing, and this is our mm. base. Most of the time we're talking about nonsense, so it's good to kind of talk about different nonsense. Yeah. And we'll talk about anime and stuff like that with yeah. you. I will, be, a... I will be here to talk about all of the concepts that aren't anything to do with gaming or anime as well. Oh, I, I do still I have an opinion, opinion on those well, as well. We covered most of this has been yeah. something separate. Yeah, 100%. But basically, like, we'll do something, we'll fill in, like, what's the sort of stuff to watch and yeah. what, why are you playing this year and mm -hmm. that kind of malarkey. Definitely, definitely. But, uh... We're going to close down now. Mm -hmm. We'll be back, obviously, uh, same place, same time next week. But it is a thrill to have you back, and thanks for coming back. It's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me again. Like, <laughs> so I've, been, good, dude. I've actually been like this past year thinking to myself, "Oh, I need to get back into that. I need to get back in with Willie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, get back and just get my creative juices flowing again." Yeah, I mean, man. that's one thing because of my uh, last job that I haven't been able to really do. I've just been studying and learning, but not really creating. So I'm glad that I found you guys again to get creating again. Well, sometimes so you cool. just need that break from crazy, and then you know, just settle down and then go back to crazy. Well, <laughs> it's, it's also, I mean, like, let's face it, there's only one Urban Oracle, so, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. Uh, with all, without Shaq, it has been literally like the nutters running the asylum. It really, it, it, like, to be honest, I mean, everyone who's out there listening in uh, in FIA land right now who's uh, watching the uh, YouTube clips but not commenting, as you never do, um, <laughs> I will just put out there, we've lost our voice of reason for so long. Wins age 20 years mm. because she's I had to be tried. that. Yeah, yeah, and she's failed. had to be that, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's good to have you back, uh, if you. only Thank because you. I sound a degree more sensible, uh, which is nice. <laughs> mm. uh, we'll bring us, the whole team will be back at some point, I'm sure, with Pete and mm. there, everyone else. But uh, we, we'll have another random podcast soon coming up with uh, with someone you know very well, Shaq. Okay. Yeah, I won't say the name. It's, uh, it's familiar. Mm. But I won't tell you what his <laughs> name is. But he'll be on soon and we'll be talking to him about like gym work and fitness and hip hop and everything he does. Because you guys collaborate musically. Yeah, we do. We're, we're not great. Time to time. <laughs> no, 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 but it's just a collaboration, together. man. Yeah, 100%. But it's 100%. like, we'll probably bring you both in as well. But no, dude, it's been awesome to have you back. Mm, and thank you. to everyone listening, we'll be back. Same place, same time next week. That's it for me. Over to Win for the wrap-up. Subscribe to FIA Gets Tubed on YouTube for access to all Project FIA episodes and extras. As you know, you can find our podcast on all the major platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Ask us questions and drop us your comments via email. Our address is projectfia.rebelrated at gmail.com. And of course, we are also on Twitter. Our handle is projectfia.rebelrated.